Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your very much work-in-progress cluster of floating tetrahedrons, Harv, and I don't exist and neither do you, and I hope you're having a wonderful day, despite it all being pointless but beautiful cycles of energy dancing for itself. But i got to tell you, it's pretty hard to look out the window today and not feel a sense of hope. It is a beautiful day here in sunny Melbourne. Winter is gone. Summer is just starting. The trees are swaying lightly in the breeze. And you know, if I was recording in my former studio, aka house, I would have seen that. So I wonder if it's having a positive effect on my demeanor when I'm recording the podcast being in a room with a bit more light and a bit more space. Maybe let me know if you've noticed a difference. It's better feng shui. I don't know how to pronounce that. And to be honest, I'm just trying to impress Jessica, who reached out on social media and asked me if I believe in feng shui. Yes, I think I do, even though I can't say it. We're going to be doing something a little bit different on the podcast this week. I hope it doesn't alarm you that we're breaking a little with the format, but I actually have planned this since the start, and uh, it's all part of the uh, the big plan, so to speak. And the idea is to start doing episodes sporadically in between your regular programming on public figures and the story they tell. And I was watching a documentary called Andy and Me, which is about Jim Carrey and how he created his performance in Man in the Moon. And it inspired me to kick this series off. Jim Carrey was one of the ones I had brainstormed originally. And I figured, why not start with him? And I can hear you saying, why not Jim Carrey? Because he's an asshole and an arrogant uh, Hollywood showbiz dickhead. Um, And I hate him. And I can imagine having that point of view. In fact, I had that point of view of Jim Carrey for quite a long time, I think, even before it was popular to do so. So don't worry, I'm not going to try and glorify the guy. Um, I'm just here to talk about the story he tells and how it has connected with people throughout his career. So bear with me a bit, because I think Jim Carrey has had an interesting few years um, after a very banal, very regular celebrity life previously and has come out the other side of it with quite an interesting and possibly confusing message uh, that I think is worth discussing. So as I say, bear with me a little bit. Um, I'm not I'm not here to blow smoke up Jim Carrey's ass. I acknowledge his flaws, um, but he does have a, a unique story and one I think that ties in somewhat to the philosophical underpinnings of this little show that we have about story. So as I said, wasn't really a fan. First of all, I don't like celebrities who have JC as their initials. It's a little bit too Jesus Christy for me, um, but there seems to be quite a lot of them. You got to wonder if they're using, you know, 
made up names and they want to kind of link themselves to Christ a little bit. And in Jim Carrey's case, I would not be surprised. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of his comedy early on. Uh, I didn't really connect with uh, Ace Ventura or The Mask. His over-the-top acting style just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, i got to say. Too zany. Too zany, Jim Carrey. And to be honest, Jim Carrey always seemed to snap up the women that I had boyhood crushes on. You know, back when I used to watch Picket Fences, I had this massive crush on Lauren Holly, and boom, what does Carrie do? Marries her, I think. I think they were married. And then in my slightly older years, when I discovered Playboy magazine, had a bit of a thing for Jenny McCarthy, and what does he do? Boom, snaps her right up. Marries her too. Uh, you know, has, has kids with her for God's sake, which proves that they had sex. She should have been saving herself for me. And then later on, he had this thing for a little lady who lights up the silver screen called Emma Stone, who I must say after watching Superbad, I I had a bit of a thing for too. So, you know, he wasn't successful there because he did it in a really creepy way. But even so, he's had a crack at her, and I don't think it's a coincidence. I really don't. He's obviously monitoring my social media, even though social media didn't exist back when I had a crush on Lauren Holly, and he's going after the girls that I want. And I, you know, I take offense to that. If you're listening to Jim Carrey, just cut it out, all right? That's enough. You can have Evan Stone, but you can't have the next one. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. She's definitely not Korean. So don't even, don't even like start watching Korean movies because, because you won't, you won't find her there. But yeah, Dumb and Dumber was pretty good, but really the best thing about Dumb and Dumber and the heart of the movie was Jeff Daniels, wasn't it? It wasn't Jim Carrey. He was just comic relief. Now, Cable Guy was a great movie, but it really just used Jim Carrey effectively. You know, it just, it was a good match for his overacting style, but it didn't really curb it. It just made it a little more palatable. And then I saw Liar Liar and yeah, there was a little bit of humanity poking out from underneath the zany facade. And I had a bit of hope for Jim Carrey at that point. I did like Liar Liar. And then you got Truman Show. Now that's an amazing movie, fantastic allegorical film. Um, But again, it was really just using JC as I like to call him uh, in an effective manner. It didn't really show his acting chops. It's easy enough to put a guy out in a boat and throw water at him and say he's acting, but in reality, you know, everyone drowns in that situation. So uh, I don't think it's uh, it really proved that he was anything more than just a wacky comedian. But then came Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and for me that changed my opinion of him. Um, I don't think there's really even a single joke in there. I mean, it's got a a few comedic elements, but he doesn't overplay them. He doesn't overact. And you can really connect with him in that movie. You can relate to him. And I think that was when I realized, okay, you know, there's more to Jim Carrey than just, uh, you know, fart jokes and slapping himself in the face with a wet fish. The boy can act. And uh, I had some respect for him at that point. If you haven't seen that movie, you have to see that movie. It's one of my favorite of all time, and it is one of the very few successful, truly romantic movies. 
out in the world. And if you think of romance in the same way that I do, I reckon you'll really connect with that. But so what, right? Uh, Up until that point, Jim Carrey's story is just, uh, you know, a regular guy comes from nowhere, pulls a few faces, makes a few people laugh and gets rocketed to mega stardom. He had three very successful movies in a row and uh, basically owned Hollywood by the end of it all. You know, his presence in a movie was basically just a blank check and he was getting, I don't know, $10 million a movie or whatever rocketed up to the A-list and uh, never really looked back. And that's an inspirational story for some, I guess, but it's not a very interesting one, is it? I mean, it's the same story that pretty much every A-list Hollywood actor has. So, um, you know, what's special about Jim Carrey? Well, up until that point, nothing. Uh, he had some controversies back in the day, I guess. He, the most notable would have been the autism stuff, uh, the, you know, the anti-vaccination uh, activism that he did. Um, that was mostly, I think, driven by uh, his wife, Jenny McCarthy, at the time. Um, but he certainly was in support of it. And you can still find videos on YouTube where he's talking about vaccinations and um, the damage that they can potentially do to children. He was with a woman who had an autistic kid and wanted to find a solution. Uh, thought perhaps the solution was in vaccines. And I understand that the you know collective civilization of the world finds that an offensive idea because we're all supposed to chip in, get our vaccinations and get rid of diseases. And anyone who speaks against vaccinations is really going against that progress that modern medicine has supposedly made. Um, But some vaccines have like mercury and aluminium in them. Uh, That can't be good. I don't think there's anything wrong with advocating to take out the harmful stuff. Uh, I think I saw a video where Jim Carrey was saying, you know, there's mercury in fish and they tell you not to eat it, but then they put mercury in a vaccine and tell you to shut up, take it anyway. I'm going to give it to your six-month-old child. I get it. I get it. I don't know the science behind vaccination and I haven't looked into whether or not it is really harmful, whether that's a provable claim, Um, but I do understand not sticking a kid with needles one week after they're born. Um, You know, we've talked about childhood trauma in the past, and I think even just a a mild injection at that age could cause a lot of damage, even without the mercury. Now, I dare say uh, Jim Carrey has always been somewhat of a conspiracy theorist, or at least has been interested enough to, you know, have knowledge of conspiracy theories that are out there. Uh, There's a famous clip of him going on the Jimmy Kimmel show where he did Illuminati hand gestures and stuff. I mean, different from the real ones, the the real ones. I'm using inverted finger quotes. You can't see that, but I am. And he made like a triangle around his mouth and called it the all mocking tongue as opposed to the all seeing eye. You get it? Is that a gang sign? Have you, um... oh, like you don't know what it is. You don't know what that is. I have no idea. Well, you don't know. Jimmy Fallon doesn't know. David Letterman doesn't know. Well, we don't know. All the comics and show business don't know what this is. <laughs> right? Yeah. What is it? Come on, Jimmy. Seriously, the time is up. People are hip to this kind of stuff. I, I'm here tonight to blow the lid off it, 
to be the whistleblower. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. It is the secret symbol of the Illuminati, and you're a part of it, and it is the all-mocking tongue. The conspiracy theorists took that as a nod to them and claimed that he was just masking the truth in humor. Either way, he knows what conspiracy theorists are thinking about. And of course, the anti-vaccination stuff is born in conspiracy theory as well to some extent. So I don't find it far-fetched that Jim Carrey has gone down a similar path to a, a truther or a conspiracy theorist. I think he's gone down an esoteric path at some point. Um, And it's been a gradual thing. You see hints of it all through his career in interviews and so on uh, as he's going through, but it was never more pronounced than in the marketing of Man on the Moon. Uh, I was only there for a couple of days myself, but uh, of course Andy was there and uh, Tony Clifton was there. And uh, so I don't really know a lot about Milos Forman. So Jim Carrey started claiming he'd used the method acting technique and he'd become Andy Kaufman. Um, He even went as far as to say Andy Kaufman, you know, his spirit had inhabited his body, which... A is pretty pretentious and B is kind of disingenuous uh, to use uh, the spirit of a dead person to uh, market a movie. Um, It was all pretty kind of tasteless, I think, Uh, but still kind of interesting. Got me to watch the movie. I guess it worked. Um, The message that uh, Jim Carrey gave a good performance certainly came across, despite probably dishonoring the dead in the process. And I think it was just maybe a manifestation of Jim Carrey's quest to become respected as a real actor. Um, So he went into this kind of method acting thing on Man on the Moon um, and he became Andy Kaufman. And not just that, he became Andy Kaufman becoming Tony Clifton or whatever other characters Andy Kaufman did. So he was an actor playing an actor, playing characters. And I think this is where Jim Carrey's journey became a little bit more esoteric and a little bit more interesting. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. And I could stop this, this terrible search. For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. Well, if nothing else, it kind of backs up the conspiracy theory argument that Jim Carrey is masking truth in humor, because that definitely seems to reflect exactly how he was actually feeling at the time when he made that speech. And he's taken the piss out of the Golden Globes there and really shining a light on how meaningless the whole thing is and getting them to laugh along with him, which is pretty masterful. I think you've got to respect that at least a little bit. And then you have Jim Carrey's possibly most famous flip out, if you will, 
which started the entire internet speculating that perhaps the man had gone completely crazy. I've covered a lot of fashion weeks. This is the first time I've run in to Jim Carrey. Wait, tell me, is it true you're wandering the streets? You need a date to the party? What's up? No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I just, uh, you know, there's no meaning to any of this. So I, uh, I wanted to find the most meaningless thing that I could come to and join. And, uh, and, uh, and here I am. They're celebrating. I mean, you got to admit, it's completely meaningless. Well, they say they're celebrating icons inside. Celebrating Do you icons. In icons. Boy, that is just the absolute lowest aiming, you know, possibility that we could come up with. It's like icons. What do you do? You believe in icons? I don't I believe in personalities. I don't believe that you exist. But there is a, a wonderful fragrance in the air. You don't believe certain icons have the power to make change, to think differently, to be bold, to inspire others? Artistry, you're one of them. On the good foot. Ha! Yeah. You shut it down now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I don't believe in icons. Uh, I don't believe in personalities. I believe that peace lies beyond personality, beyond invention and disguise beyond the red S that you wear on your chest that makes bullets bounce off. I believe that it's deeper than that. I believe we're a field of energy dancing for itself. And uh, I don't care. But Jim, you got really I, dressed up for the occasion. You look good. No, I Is didn't that an get accident? dressed up. I didn't get dressed Who up. Who did? There, there is no me. There's no you. No. We're not here. This is a dream. There's just things happening. And there are clusters of tetrahedrons moving around together. Okay. Yes. So what's happening in our world right now? Because there is a lot of news that actually is relevant that's not that yeah. Here's uplifting. the thing. It's not our world. None that's of this is key. real? Nope. nope. So you're just passing We don't through. matter. We don't matter. Oh, wow. There's the good news. Okay. And there it is. Uh, Jim Carrey losing his mind, apparently. Um, but is he really, uh, or is he trying to express something real there? And... Doesn't what he's saying sound a little familiar to those of you who might be regular listeners of this little program we have here? The part where he says we're just fields of energy dancing for itself, doesn't that kind of reflect that Illuminati religion that I keep hearing about and thinking about? This idea that there's somehow just one big God consciousness and each of us as individuals uh, one unique expression of that God consciousness, and the purpose of which is a grand experiment for God to understand his own nature. Is that what Jim Carrey's talking about when he says we're all just fields of energy dancing for itself? Maybe it is. It's, it's really hard to know. He doesn't really elaborate much on what he's talking about, and you know, he chucks in the clusters of tetrahedrons there, uh, which I don't know what that's a reference to. Um, if anyone listening knows what the tetrahedron stuff is all about, um, I'd be really interested to find out and look into that too. Um, I don't want to do a part two on Jim Carrey, but I could do an entire episode on tetrahedrons if you like. But I guess the point is I don't think this is an expression of someone going crazy. I think it's an expression of someone who's going through a process of thought. And isn't that what we're doing here, going through a train of thought? We get into the deep, tangled weeds of some pretty strange topics at times. You and I together, don't we? And I think you have to go there, don't you? 
you have to go in there. Even if you get in waist deep and you get some irritating rashes on your thighs, you still got to go into those weeds and, and see what's in there. Even if you end up rejecting what you find, Jim Carrey's just telling us a story that's maybe not fully formed in his mind yet. Or maybe he's reading something or being exposed to some knowledge that we don't have. When Man in the Moon came out, there was all this talk about the process that you went through when you became Andy Kaufman's natural. Did you ever have it in the back of your mind back then that you wanted to share that story in this way that you're getting to do now? Yeah, and I thought I thought I had become Andy Kaufman, but there was no me actually at the end of it all. I realized that there was, you know, that this character was making choices to play a character. There was actually a existential, not a crisis, but a discovery going on, you know? There's been a lot of talk in, in the last few days, well, today recently, about an interview that you did at, at New York Fashion Week, and you talked about identity, and you mm-hmm. did all these ideas. Do you think that people kind of just don't understand it, or they haven't clued in to this whole thing you're talking about, of people wearing masks? I think that we're all, you know... We're all trying to uh, add things to ourselves so that we can finally define, our, define ourselves and then everybody will get us and they'll go, okay, that, this is what you are. And then if you actually get there, uh, you will find it so empty that you'll realize that's really not what it's about. It's, it's about not only you know, just going with the flow, but it's about not taking a personal, you know? It's like the difference between house a house and my house is a world of difference and it's the my that's the problem you know so you can do all this without the my involved you know you can do it uh, in a way that it's not life isn't happening to you it's happening for yeah you know for the good of everyone it's just a it's like a it's a play it's a it's a it's a giant you know, field of consciousness dancing for itself. And you're here to make me happy and you're to kind of, it's making itself happy, cool. you know? It's like one soul. That's how I feel. I feel like, you know, people say, well, I have a soul. You don't have a soul. There's no you, but I, I feel like there is a soul and it includes everything. Yeah. And when you wake up in the morning and you feel like I'm the universe, you don't have to reach for the stars, you know? You can just let life happen yeah. and walk through the doors, you know? We'll have to about that, sorry. Thanks very much. I'm sorry, hey. you've run out of time. Well, listen, you've made me very happy, so That's, thank you for oh, your good. time today, man. No, actually, I didn't make you happy. All right, you're I don't not, know who you've here. made happy, but no. there's a happy feeling just here. just a cluster of tetrahedrons. Still trying to figure this out, man. a pleasant one. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Nice to see Thanks. you. Nice to see you, too. Now, class, tell me, what was the difference between that interview and the one where Jim Carrey came off as crazy? Because I think he's trying to say the same thing, give or take, in both interviews. Yep, you, up the back? No, actually, there is no one up the back. I'll just answer. Well, I think the difference is that this interviewer engaged Jim Carrey with curiosity and asked meaningful questions and came with the intent of trying to understand what he was saying rather than just to react or even worse, ridicule him. And it's really interesting that you get a much clearer explanation from Jim Carrey when he's allowed the opportunity to to speak without being subject to ridicule. I mean, sure, 
it's a much more sensational story to say Jim Carrey's gone mad. And you can understand why a network like E.T. would go with that. But it's not the best way to get shared human understanding about the universe. And I think Jim Carrey in the original interview was just talking at a different level, perhaps because he turned up unexpectedly and the woman interviewing him wasn't ready for the types of things he was going to say. They were just talking at different levels and they were never going to connect. But yeah, I find this uh, other guy who's also working for ET, albeit ET Canada, if that makes any difference. Um, he's a curious guy. He wants to know what Jim Carrey meant and he doesn't rule him out as a freak just because he's talking about energies and tetrahedrons. And it's interesting in this version of the explanation, Jim Carrey changes the term energy to consciousness, which again backs up this idea that he's talking about the same thing as this so-called Illuminati religion. And I call it that only because the first time I ever came across the idea in any kind of clear way, it was presented as the Illuminati religion. It was an article written by this curious fellow on a forum called Hidden Hand. And he claimed to be a member of the Illuminati who had been given permission to come and speak to people, answer questions, and let people know what the elite believe in and what their plan for the universe is. I don't know if they're planning for the whole universe. Maybe they're just planning for the world at this point. But nothing would surprise me, to be honest. Um, I think once you get up at that elite level, you know, the megalomania can kick in to the point where maybe you're planning for a multiverse. Hey, you know, in universe 7,623, we should probably adjust the inflation rate to 0.87 in three years. That was a real plan, by the way, if the Illuminati is listening, that actually really makes sense. Uh, if, if you knew that if you knew that universe, you'd understand. As an actor, you play characters. And then if you go deep enough into those characters, you realize that your own character is pretty thin to begin with. Oh. You know? And then you suddenly have this separation and go, well, who's Jim Carrey? Oh, he doesn't exist, actually. There's, there's just a, a relative manifestation of consciousness appearing and uh, and then somebody gave him a bunch of ideas. They gave him a name and a religion and a nationality, and he clustered those together into something that's supposed to be a personality. I think what Jim Carrey's talking about is essentially the same thing that Sam Harris talks about, that Russell Brand talks about, and the thing maybe that draws me to these stories, that draws me to these ideas and that is the loss of ego. The ego is the thing that seems to drive a lot of what we do, but it is essentially meaningless at the end of the day and nonsensical. And having your ego in the driver's seat of your life isn't necessarily the uh, most productive way to spend your time. I don't know. Jim Carrey's got some conflicting ideas too. 
My father was not only the funniest man in the room, but he was a fantastic saxophone player. And before I was born, he had an orchestra in Toronto. But, you know, in order to be something special, you had to leave Canada and come down to the States and prove yourself in the States. He was a little bit afraid of that transition and, and also he had a family to take care of, so he became an accountant. And uh, as time wore on, it wore him down, you know, it wore him down and he got a little bit bitter, especially when he lost his job when he was 51. Uh, that really broke him. So that was an example for me. And a lot of people don't know this, but, uh, but when I was about 14 or 15, my father lost his job and I actually became homeless for quite some time. Uh, of course, I grew up in Canada, so I thought we had just gone camping, you know. But, uh, uh, I learned that you can fail at what you don't love, so you might as well do what you love. You can fail at something you hate, so you might as well take a chance on doing something you love. And while that's a beautiful idea and one that obviously I aspire to, it doesn't fit in with this idea that you can never fully feed the ego. You can never fully satisfy that part of yourself. And his story really is that he's reached the ultimate heights of celebrity, fame, and talent, but he's still dissatisfied and that the only way that he can achieve true satisfaction and peace in his mind is to let go of the ego, to let go of this idea of self and give it up to the ultimate collective consciousness of the universe. And if that's the case, it wouldn't matter that his father couldn't get material things. It wouldn't matter. Because ultimately, even pursuing your dreams isn't enough. You've got to make your change internally. And that sounds difficult, but at the same time, it's empowering. Because it means you can just sit still on your couch and do that. You don't need to go anywhere to improve the world. And I bloody love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> 